watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and today we're going to take a look at three movies. Ben-Hur, War Dogs, and Lo and Behold. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life's too fucking short for that mess. Too short. Um, so in lieu of our normal, what's up with you? I don't know. Thank you for asking. What's up with you, Rebecca? Nonsense. I have poured my heart and soul into those segments, Rebecca. I don't yeah. appreciate you calling them nonsense. I can tell. Nonsense, maybe, but not nonsense. <laughs> I just found out today that the nun from my grade school, my high school cafeteria turned 99 today. Well, how about that? Yeah. Happy birthday, Sister Ma- Sister Mary Illuminata. <laughs> Was that really her name? That's the, I told, I told my wife that too. She's like, what's her name? <laughs> You may have unknowingly gone to like a Catholic Illuminati school growing up. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> no, it's this like this is why you were so shielded from from things. You're like, hey, Illuminati, we got this. Wait, What's we're, the problem? It's okay. Everything. I know what the next ten or fifteen years are going to look like, and it's everything's fine. <laughs> this also for... explains those weird hand symbols you always make at me while we're targeting. <laughs> that, that's something for something else. Oh, okay, that's the like, they, stop talking. You're like those are various. Do you I not know, know what the middle finger is? You're like, I thought that was pretty universally well known. That's <laughs> not just for the, us Illuminati. Mm, all right, but anyway. So. We're going to talk a little bit about some movie news that we've been talking about amongst ourselves this week. Can't stop talking about it. Uh, Which is um, the situation involving Birth of a Nation director, Nate Parker. Yes. Um, It's been a big news story. Um, It's something we want to handle very sensitively. Yes. But we've, you know, we we are people and we don't know how to feel about things. And we've been trying to like just kind of have a dialogue with each other almost like... Mm -hmm making every point we can to see if there's a place to land on it. Um, so just to kind of recap, recap. <laughs> we want to handle this with the utmost sensitivity. So just a quick recap of what's happened so Let far. Let me just play this like fart noise. Um, okay, no. I'm serious. Uh, Jason, can you recap the situation since I'm clearly incapable? <laughs> sure. Although, you know what I just struck me? Uh, you know who I bet is so thankful about all of this because it's taken the heat off of him is that guy from Dharma and Greg who just got fired off of Criminal Minds. Oh, for kicking, Greg? Yeah, Greg from Dharma and Greg. I can't remember. Thomas Gibson? Gibson, is that his I think? name? Yeah. Yeah. I just saw like a breaking news alert that he was like joining Twitter to continue to like, you know, reclaim his audience. And the hilarious thing is he keeps hashtagging his own tweets with his name. <laughs> so he's just like, I love my fans and I love being on the show. Hashtag Thomas Gibson. <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, so um, anyway, on to the recap. Uh, no, 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 no. Serious face. All right. <clears throat> Serious face. Okay. So um, as you guys probably heard, and I believe we've talked about in the show, there's a movie called The Birth of a Nation um, that is the passion project of one Nate Parker. Nate Parker is uh, an actor who I previously became aware of when he was in a great movie called Beyond the Lights. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the one you talked you talked about recently. Yeah, with Gugu. Highly recommend the yeah, movie with Gugu. Yes. With the Rao. Yes. <laughs> you Thank did it. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. So, he, he uh, co-wrote, directed, starred in this movie. And it's about the, the Nat Turner uh, Rebellion, um, which is a historical incident uh, in which there was a slave uprising um, and there was sort of a mass murder of, uh, of various slave owners by an uprising of slaves. So, already super incendiary uh, subject matter. Um, and then the fact that it hit Sundance this January, um, in the middle of, uh, you know, probably one of the more charged racial climates that we've ever been experiencing as a country. Um, certainly Oscar's so white also. And, and yes, I was going to get to that. Oh, right. sorry. Okay. Okay. I'll just, I'll sit back. <laughs> trust. Like, I'm like, trust, 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 the trust, trust the mansplaining. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I, I can get through this. Uh, so, and then also, as Rebecca just uh, interrupted to mention, there was also, um, with her with her woman of color perspective. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till you're done. Thank you. That's all I ask. Um, and uh, so, you know, there was, of course, last year, um, in, you know, in the middle of the Oscar, so white, uh, uh, you know, a couple of months of uh, lots of conversations about uh, the lack of, um, you know, nominations for any people of color at the Oscars this year. In the major categories and uh and so kind of you know that was all very much at fever pitch when this movie played sundance and then it sold at sundance for a i believe a record sum of 17.5 million dollars to fox searchlight because everybody saw this as like kind of the great black hope 
like this is it like this is the movie that's not only going to speak to our nation's ills it's also going to fix oscar so white and will be like an obvious home run next year um so cut to late last week uh so they've they've had birth of a nation under wraps um ever since sundance uh it has not screened anywhere else because they're like okay like now we're going to do a full-on fall prestige rollout for this movie um, it's going to play again at the Toronto Film Festival, and we'll be having Nate uh, Turner go out on this, you know, massive uh, nationwide speaking tour and interview tour. And uh, and I will say that we here at the Binge are uh, on the roster for that tour when it's scheduled to come through San Francisco mm-hmm. um, in about a month's time. And our own Rebecca Olarte will be the intrepid uh, reporter stepping up to mm-hmm. uh, to speak to Mr. Parker. Um, if uh, if she is not uh, thrown out during the background check process, which Possibly. is usually where she gets uh, where she gets removed gets from, every from the running, um, so uh, all of which is to set the stage for a very 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 sad story um, that has come to light within the last week. Uh, so speaking just clearly, purely in um, in reported facts, uh, when Nate Parker and uh, the film's co-story credit earner Gene Celestin were students at Penn State University uh, and they were on the wrestling team together. Uh, There was an incident in which a young woman stepped forward to accuse them of raping her and uh, there was a trial. Uh, Nate Parker was was found innocent. Um, Gene Celestin was found guilty. That verdict was later successfully appealed and he was never tried a second time. Which is not the same as being found innocent. I believe it's because the um, uh, the victim wouldn't go back to trial, wouldn't speak again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and from there, um, it's sort of, and, and then um, it's come to light also that this woman um, committed suicide several years ago. And uh, so now this has all come to light because uh, Deadline did a, uh, an interview with Nate Parker last Friday in which he talked about it. Talked about it in not super compassionate terms. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, seemed to be focusing solely on it as an obstacle to be removed from his path to Oscar, mm-hmm. and asserted himself as a as a proud Christian, married father of five, and stressed that this was all a different. This was a long time ago, um, which is always easy to say when you're on his side of the equation, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, this this young one's family has been speaking to the press a bit this week. And, um, and, and it's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's messy. It's messy. Um, and so it's just the intersection of so many things, um, uh, in terms of what the actual case represents in terms of, you know, the, these men of color, um, and then also student athletes and then also sexual assault. And, uh, so it's, 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 it's a lot. And um, and then also framing all of that in this kind of queasy uh, framework of like, oh, well, what, what about the Oscars? Mm. And so, you know, putting the entire thing is like, OK, well, how's Fox Search like going to drop this rape thing so that they can make sure Nate Parker wins an Oscar? Um, and it's 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 the hairiest uh, situation of this of this nature I can remember ever. Um, yeah. I really like I, I does, it doesn't compare to the Woody Allen stuff. It doesn't compare to. Um, the Brian Singer stuff, um, you know, like it's this is this is, oh, it's a lot. Rebecca, take the wheels. Oh man. Um, so yeah, we we had discussed this. Um, we we were, we went to see a movie on Monday and uh, or Tuesday. And we talked a little bit about this. Um, and since then, he has given another statement. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that was yesterday or today, where he gave um, uh, a more thorough. Um, testament of, of of compassion for the situation in terms of the victim and her family and because in the first statement he didn't mention it at all mm-hmm. um, but uh, talked about uh, remorse uh, more in the second statement um, and remorse that remorse kind of about the whole situation very right. I mean very there much, was no yeah. I did this and it was wrong right. forgive me but right. it was uh, a little bit more um, on the right path towards uh, creating a situation where it's not just about him and mm-hmm. how he's changed and how he's living his life now. Right. Um, yeah. He makes a, he, he sort of, he acknowledges that, you know, he's like, I want, you know, I understand that the issue of women having the right to safety mm-hmm. um, is, is a huge one. And he definitely, you know, sort of repeatedly mentioned, he's like, I'm a father of five daughters. Like I, I, I you know, I, I, under, I get it now. 
um, except for without saying something like, I get it now. Right, um, right, You right. know, so he definitely, he's being, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of media training and a lot of, um, mm-hmm. of legal coaching to be like, okay, here's how you can talk about it. Here's how you should not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean... Where do you think this sits in terms of... Um, I mean, we've watched Woody Allen. Again, mm-hmm. we've said this is different, but it, you know, it's in the same family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've watched and reviewed Woody Allen movies before. Like, mm-hmm. is there a point? Has there ever been an artist um, that you have stopped consuming or trying to appreciate their work because of what they've done in their personal lives? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I mean, I mean, honestly, if I find out that somebody is conservative, then I generally um, don't follow them anymore. You took all those Scott Bayo posters down. I did, they were down. Yeah, my locker is empty now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it took me a long time to go back to my high school and find it, but I found it and I took all those posters down. So it, that, it's um, happened before that someone has come out as conservative and you you kind of pump the brakes. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I will be like, oh, okay, like I'm not going to become invested in that person because uh-huh. uh, because I know that our values are completely anathema to one another. But you would still go see like a Clint Eastwood movie. Clint Eastwood, yeah, I mean, he's a funny one um, because he, uh, his art doesn't reflect the moronic quality of the comments he makes. Mm. Like, this is something that Meryl Streep in, he, recently was being interviewed, was asked about things that Clint Eastwood said, and she was like, I am, I am shocked. I am absolutely in disbelief that he would say that. That's not him at all. That's not what he would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so Clint Eastwood is, is a, you know, is a, is a, is a weird situation. And I'm not saying... I think the question suggests that, like, oh, well, you know, are we, should people not see this movie because of this background? Well, I'm oh. asking you specifically if, if there's anything, if there's anything that's happened before mm-hmm. that has made you stop, or if, and then if there's anything that would. Um, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. I can't think of another, uh, I mean, there's, there's been, there's been plenty of people who've been, you know, had accusations that they were, um, abusers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people, one thing that Nate Parker doesn't have is like, if this happened to him at this point in his career, maybe it would, they would, he would have a studio that could help cover it up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it's not like, I mean, actors are fucked up people, so it's not like, uh, there aren't plenty of actors who've done a lot of horrible things. Sure. Um, and you know, it's just that this happened when he was a college student and, uh, so he didn't have anybody to cover it up for him. And, uh, and, you know, it's, and, and it raises kind of questions that you never really want to ask about, like, because it's so unfeminist to talk about how if a man is accused of rape, that his life is forever ruined. Um, but that is kind of a reality, um, which n- is not at all to take away from how harrowing it is for a woman or any victim of sexual assault to step forward and, and actually have the courage to say it. So it's kind of like, it's just fucked both ways um, on that count. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is, this is going to bring, this is, this is the kind of conversation that everybody's going to have, um, a strong point of view on because Mm -hmm. there's no one that leaves untouched, uh, you know, women and men, both, uh, people of color, uh, this is, this is, this is, this, this pulls everybody into, into this, into this kind of boil. And I can't think of anything. I honestly can't like, like for me personally, as I was saying, if I find out that somebody is like, has like, if they're either just explicitly homophobic or even if they're just like oh i'm a proud conservative then like okay i'm like all right well you know how about like mel gibson um yeah i mean mel gibson uh you know he done fucked around and he kind of got blacklisted you know he's still making movies but he's certainly not getting the 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 you know push he used to get mm-hmm. uh, but i guess so I, the reason i asked the question is so you you have just sort of said like even though it sounds unfeminist like a man's life is ruined forever mm-hmm. Um, for something that he chose to do, so that's kind of a little. Oh, oh no, I'm not saying for a, something he chose to do. I'm right. saying a man like, like this. This is a hypothetical that runs through men's minds. Mm-hmm. The hypothetical of having somebody accuse you of something that you didn't do, and so this is where this is where men will come to defend Nate Parker mm-hmm. and say like, well, but he was found innocent. He didn't do it. Um, so this is this is this is like a, and I can't believe I'm like speaking for like straight men right now, um, but like this is this is like a sort of a, a paranoia that straight men have that like a woman will have sex with them and then decide that that she's going to say that it was rape. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is something that like this is this is a con- this is tapping into a deep seated primal fear that men have um, that you know that they will have a, a sexual encounter with a woman and that and then she will go and accuse them of raping her. So this is this is. That's part of why this is such like I was talking to my manager about this earlier today and just watching his face like change and, and, and contort while I was describing the situation. 
uh, it's because it's 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 a lot of straight men's absolute worst nightmare. It's so strange because there's so few uh, rapes that are reported that are, are proven to absolutely, be, um, absolutely. I know false it's sort of, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like an old wives' tale that terrifies straight men. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of like the crazy the crazy woman mm-hmm. who's going to change her mind and try to be vengeful and accuse him of raping her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in this case, it seems to me from what I've read, pretty open and shut. That this is a case of uh, of a, she was first of all she was eighteen when this happened, um, she was too inebriated for proper consent, mm-hmm. um, and there was a sexual encounter happened. Nobody denies that, um, but uh, you know she she was not. It seems clear from the way that it affected her life ever since until mm-hmm. her tragic demise that clearly whether they thought that she was consenting or not, she on a very profound level was not, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. she never recovered. Uh, from the shame of that night and uh, from all the other emotional and psychological effects that that had on her. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think uh, this is something, once again, our our favorite militant, Rose McGowan, uh, was posting about this on Facebook. And, um, you know, she was like, fuck all of you people who are like saying, oh, there's no evidence. She's like, everything is evidence. All of it's evidence. The rest of her life is evidence. Right. Uh, And I I would concur Mm -hmm. um, on that point. And, uh, and I think that we as a nation have a really hard time, you know, prosecuting sexual assault. That's just a fact. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially, what was that, 1999? Mm-hmm. I mean, not that everything is so, is at all, in, uh, right. at a level it should be now, but mm-hmm. it, 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 it's only yeah. better now than it was before. Yeah. And it seemed, it seemed from what I read, the reason that his uh, friend was um, found guilty and he wasn't was because he had had a previous experience with her. Right, absolutely. Which just kind of... Highlights the court's um, grossness, yeah, grossness, and like <laughs> that inability to say that she to consented like... once that she had consented for the rest of her life. Right, exactly. Um, so I just so it's you and I don't want to go back to this point if, you're, mm-hmm. if this is what you're saying, but right. Um, w- even if guilty, if a man mm-hmm. should be held responsible for the rest of his life for this, and oh, absolutely. If a man's like guilty, thing. then yeah, absolutely. I'm saying that like, gotcha. Yeah, the male fear is to be accused of something you did not do mm-hmm. because as soon as you're accused as being a rapist, you are forever accused rapist. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. The same so way, like, oh, you think that's accused out there. because once you have that label on you, mm-hmm. it's like accused pedophile. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like nobody, nobody, even though there's a word accused there, people will have that emotional visceral reaction to like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they'll look at you like, well, what'd you do to get yourself accused? Uh, you know, so uh, I think that there's, 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 that's the male fear, but I completely 100% am with you that like the statistics overwhelmingly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. would indicate that that is the tiny, tiny fractional minority of cases um, of, of that actually being the case. And far more often, it's women who are being harassed, as this woman allegedly was, mm-hmm. oh, um, yeah, for having the courage to step well. forward and actually name her um, alleged uh, rapists. But, yeah, she had been harassed by them for a long time uh, after she after she named them. Yes, um, and other people around the campus, and that was a coordinated effort. So the, the thing now is that uh, how, what do you do with your dollars? If you go mm-hmm. see the movie, you're supporting him. Um how? What do you think? I mean, I I know you don't pay for you don't pay for movies. <laughs> no, um, do you now? <laughs> but I mean, what do you think about that? What do you think about us reviewing the movie on our show? What do you think about mm. what what's what's right well, there I to mean, you? I, I mean, I think that we always, um, you know, I think that art and the artist are forever separate because artists are human beings. Human beings are flawed, broken things who do a lot of fucked up shit. And so I think that you know, I think that it's uh, kind of borderline absurd to suggest that because a person did a fucked up thing that their art is 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 condemned um i think that you know throughout history we've had artists who have been horrible people who have done all manner of terrible things um and not to create some kind of you know general false equivalence of like oh well all bad things are bad things it doesn't matter there's Mm -hmm. no degrees um but uh but no i mean i i think that this is still a movie that we should watch and um i mean what do you think do you think that this negates the positive impact this movie could uh have um i mean i don't eat chick-fil-a mm-hmm. even though i love chicken sandwiches mm-hmm. uh, there are times we sort of pick yeah, and choose I love chicken sandwiches <laughs> kill somebody for chicken sandwich right now <laughs> But, you know, we do cho- choose to vote with our dollars in, in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And and after hearing hear so much how much your dollars mean in the studio world, mm-hmm. um, it, it does give me pause. Um, I'm not certain yet. I'd like to see how the rest of this kind of his approach 
comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, if he, we, and we discuss this a little bit, you know, there's an opportunity here to really make an example of, of, of doing good and learning and teaching um, about his experience and how to prevent it in the future. Like there's a lot of good that can be done. This last statement he gave was definitely a step in the right direction mm-hmm. more than before. Um, but I think that if I, if I were in the world of, I mean, I don't know. I, I, right now I say no. But I'm, but I don't know. I, don't, I I'm not sure how things are gonna. What would he need out. to do to really win you over and to convince you that you would not be uh, misplacing your uh, your faith and your uh, time and energy mm-hmm. and possibly your dollars? What would he have to do? Um, continue to be contrite. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly, you know, take some action towards victims of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, some work with Rain would be nice. Um, but as long as, as long as it's moving in the direction that it is, um, and there isn't a point where it's, you know, clearly tied to an Oscar conversation or it's, um, kind of like a flippant, if he goes back to being flippant about it being so far in the past and a hard time for him, then, then I feel like that's, that would be the turning point mm. either way. So it sounds like he's on thin ice. He's on the saying. thinnest of ice for me. <laughs> Um, I would agree. Which is going to make for a fantastic interview. It will. Um, Real hostile. Um, Yeah, I would. I mean, I think that he would be very, very smart to do a giant Diane Sawyer interviewing Caitlyn Jenner type interview um, to talk about this and kind of just a complete thorough once and for all. Let's cover every aspect of this and to, you know, and to be like, yeah, mistakes were made. Um, you know, to to allow to to not cling to the fact that he was found innocent mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. court of law by mm-hmm. by dubious uh, means and by dubious reasoning, mm-hmm. and he needs to yeah he needs to I made I use the unfortunate wording of get in bed with rape advocacy groups when I was telling Rebecca sure this on chat the other day sure did um, but uh, but no he he truly really does need to work um, you know with groups that are raising awareness around rape and sexual assault particularly mm-hmm. on campus which is the epidemic you know right. which is the which is the hotbed of it the more hotbed more more unfortunately always. it's always with the beds um so but yeah no I, I i think that that would be he'd be well advised um uh to to do that and to just swallow his pride and to let go of this kinds of and i think even in that statement he made a reference to like i was too um emphatic about my verdict or like i was mm-hmm. too i yeah. clung to that too much yeah so it's time to let go of that mm-hmm. and to you know this woman is dead you yeah. know, and she's left behind a grieving family, including a son. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, so we'll keep following the story. We will. Um, um, we'll we'll check in if there are any further developments, and we'll let you know uh, if if what what Rebecca brings to throw in his face uh, <laughs> when they do the interview. If anybody listens to this interview, I'm going to get my uh, interview <laughs> rights revoked immediately. <laughs> it might just be glitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's move on to our first movie, a Christian classic, Ben Hur. This is the epic story of Judah Ben-Hur, a prince falsely accused of treason by his adopted brother, an officer in the Roman army. After years at sea, Judah returns to his homeland to seek revenge, but finds redemption. My family was one of the most respected in Jerusalem. Welcome home. Please, I need you to tell me who one's enemies are. Masala, I won't name names until we were betrayed (laughs) by my own brother. You know we've done nothing wrong. Rome's calling for blood. Crucified. No! So this is not the original Ben-Hur. No. Um, which was huge. Yes. What was that, 1959? Nine? Nine? Yeah. It won like 10 or 11 Oscars. Mm-hmm. Huge. Massive. Um And the lead of this movie is the grandson of John Huston, part of Hollywood royalty. I kind of mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Even though we have, well, you know, we have the whole discussion about white people in um, non-white roles. Sure. Um, but um, how have the times changed from how this movie is set up and and may be received versus the original Ben Hur? Well, you know, the original was done at a time that the the big biblical epic was a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, so. Um, what we can now call faith-based movies have kind of become almost um i guess you could say ghettoized because they're they're no longer it's no longer presumed that -hmm. faith-based movies appeal to the entire population Mm -hmm. the way that they used to uh you know so um you know like this movie is not going to be like the original ben-hur in terms of how it's remembered or its impact 
Um, and I can't imagine any faith-based movie ever really getting there. Again. Um, again. Um, you know, that's just not where we are as a country um, anymore. Uh, so, uh, so you know, that was, that was a product of its times in terms of its content and its subject matter. Um, it was also a product of its times in terms of just being this pinnacle of, like, studio excess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, like, this, this massive for its time, massive budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, the Ten Commandments, movies like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where Spartacus. they... Spartacus. Yeah, they just bring in, like half the actors in Hollywood all show up on, on, you know, to play various little roles throughout. And, uh, it was just, that was kind of what going to the movies used to be all about, mm-hmm. um, were these huge spectacles and, um, spectacle is still certainly a big part of movies, but, um, but when you make it about into this, into this religious thing, then I think you know, most audiences are kind of less excited uh, to go see it. Certainly the mills. It se- <laughs> the millennials, right? Yeah. It seems like the uh, range for epic is really kind of um, evened out, where it's like a movie like this, it would be like this, or it'd be like a, a two-handed like, rom- rom-com <laughs> right. with like Bottle all episode. done in like, yeah, one office. Exactly, single take. Where here, it's like <laughs> every weekend, there are these huge movies. Like This movie didn't have the best effects, which I feel like would be like the equivalent of Epic, mm. even though it, that would be impossible because it's, you know... Um, you know, based in based in realism, uh, right. historical. Um, but yeah, it's like, what even would be an epic at this point? What would be something you could blow the budget on that wouldn't yeah. be like in outer space or I like think, Avatar or something? Well, and I think that also studios are just so um, careful and they're so um, ca- cautious and scared about making the wrong investment. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't, I don't think, that, I think that studios are very loath um, to even commit to like a big, especially a lengthy epic mm-hmm. yeah. this one is i think a solid two hours maybe a little mm-hmm. change um but i mean I think the original was like three hours i want to say at least two and a half um and uh you know so i just don't and like like cleopatra like liz taylor's mm-hmm. cleopatra i just think studios would just they, they're just too risk averse so i can't imagine that ever, ever being a time where they're like oh yeah let's just blow the whole studio on making this big three-hour historical epic starring half a lot, mm-hmm. um, so this has definitely been her on a budget um, in, in a bit. This is this is this is not mega budgeted. It does not star expensive actors. Nope. Um, so uh, and it's kind of not trying to be uh, you know this this big sweeping epic. Um, it's definitely a lot more focused than that. Um, you do. Let's get the good stuff out of the way. Mm. Jack Houston, mm. star of the movie. Oh my god. Group crush. Ooh, he's very handsome. He's so beautiful. Dashing. Oh my god! Like it never stopped. Just kept the, that jawline. He has a very. And this is a big compliment for me. Face. Jude Law like appeal. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very. Um, but I don't think he'll ever lose his hair like Jude Law did. I mean, he's got a good solid Houston hairline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I've always thought he was like good looking, but I think maybe when he's in modern roles. He, they tend to make him look kind of greasy. Mm-hmm. Um, like was, he'll wear his hair a little bit longer. He has his goatees a little messy. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at him and I see cocaine. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, in this, he's just, oh, gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Oh, brief aside to what we were talking about earlier about the whole historical epic thing. So it's funny this is coming out the same year as Hail Caesar. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, so it was, it was hard watching this movie not to think about because in Hail Caesar, the title <laughs> yeah. of that movie is the, is the movie within the movie mm-hmm. that George Clooney is making, which is called Hail Caesar, A Tale of the Christ, <laughs> um, and in, which is a very sort of like a Ben-Hur type knockoff about like this Roman um, guard who encounters uh, Christ and uh, has his, you know, worldview changed, uh, which is basically the story of Ben-Hur. Right. And they do some of the same sort of scenes, like at the crucifixion the settings, and stuff. Like, yeah, but, that, just but in there, it's up. such a comedy. Yeah. And here, it's so it's not. hard. It's hard to take it seriously. Jack Houston, like looking up reverently during mm-hmm. the crucifixion, when we just seen George Clooney making his like funny version of that face mm-hmm. in Hail Caesar, which was a really great line in, in, in Hail Caesar. Um, other thing I liked about this movie, mm-hmm. I like the story of Ben Hur. Okay. I think it's a really solid story. Um, you know, brothers turned against each other for legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. A lot of ambiguity around right and wrong. Um, it's like it's a good election year movie, really, yeah. uh, about a fa- <laughs> families being divided along ideological lines. Perfect election year movie. Um, it's got a good sag- like saga uh, uh, part to it. I mean, it was the story is not. I mean, it's not a true story. It's not no, from the Bible. It's not from the Bible, which I think is probably a common misconception. <laughs> <laughs> it's like historical fan fiction. Yes, that's 100% what it is. Um, but 
uh, but yeah, I, I still think it's con- like constructed as a really good story. I like that. The it has whole, a certain like, timeless quality back. to mm-hmm. it, which is why people keep going back to I it. I would love to see like a, a modern version of it um, mm-hmm. in some creative way. Right. This, um, is, this is not that. No, no, it's not. And I also wonder back like, to what we were talking about before um, studios being scared, mm-hmm. like a Christian movie. How does that fare overseas? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think probably in a lot of like, you know, predominantly Catholic countries, it would do well. Like it might do really well in like Latin America. Yeah. I wonder how much um, those countries bring in movie dollars. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say. Um, well, I, I think I, of like overseas, like dollar signs, I think China. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So in that, 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 that godless country. So it's. <laughs> Hard to say uh, whether they would embrace Ben Hur. Uh, I mean, it is also a huge action spectacle, so possibly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you know, when there's like a, a faith-based movie, then the hope is that like, because if you can tap into that evangelical Christian market in the United States, you have nothing to worry about, right? Um, so, uh, and I think that's that's what they're hoping. That's who they're, they're hoping against hope will come out um, in force to see this this weekend. Do you think the the religious aspect of this movie comes out enough? too much like if you so i i recently learned uh, by talking to some people about this movie mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know the story of ben-hur right like they don't know they haven't seen the movie or they haven't mm-hmm. read the book i mean nobody's read the book no and nobody ever has read that book uh-uh. um but so i think that you if you see the trailer it might be that you just think it's like a 300 or like mm-hmm. some sort of which is um, probably what they're hoping for secular audiences and then just sliding in the, yeah. the christian sprinkle little jesus on it sub story there yeah um, in terms of watching the movie, how where do you think it falls on the um, Jason religion meter? Ooh, let me dust that off. <laughs> Calibrate it. Um, spank it. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, I mean, okay, so it definitely is. Um, mm, I will say that it's not a conservative um, religious movie um, because the so Jesus in the film is played by the dreamiest of dreamies, Rodrigo Santoro. Um, who, who um, is distracting um, <laughs> when he so he first appears and this this was one of one of several moments of unintentional laughter that the movie elicited in our audience um, so there's a scene where Ben-Hur is talking to his love interest and um, or I guess we should call him Judah Judah Ben-Hur is his mm-hmm, name mm-hmm. Um, so Judah is talking to his love interest and uh, and he's you know he's like you know I'm fighting with my brother and we're not getting along and you know and I might never forget over da 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 and then, um, and then suddenly they cut to Rodrigo Santoro, um, sort of hunched over a piece of wood that he's standing, as if he's like standing a surfboard, <laughs> and he's just like, "Hey, love your enemies," <laughs> and um, and the audience is like, oh. <laughs> like it's, it's such a, it was such like a clunky, non graceful way to introduce Jesus to the story, yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, people just started laughing, like, "Oh, I guess that's supposed to be Jesus," <laughs> and um, and then Judah's like, "What? That's a progressive thing to say," yeah. which just felt like right off the bat, like the movie showing its hand in terms of like, okay, this is not going to be a conservative Christian movie, right, right, because the only things Jesus ever says in this movie, which to be fair are the only things Jesus says in the Bible, um, are very progressive sounding things and very liberal sounding things. Um, That is the Jesus of the New Testament. Uh, So for sure, he talks, you know, it almost sounds at times like it was written by somebody writing like a speech for the DNC talking Mm -hmm. about like, you know, love will always conquer hate and hatred and fear are the enemy of of life and love and are designed to turn us against one another. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's some some talk in the movie that uh, that certainly... Um, could resonate um, in our in our political climate, mm-hmm. um, and you know Jesus throwing shade at Donald Trump without saying his name, just like Michelle Obama <laughs> did. Uh, so uh, you know, so I feel like it's it it doesn't cross over into being religious at any point, aside from the fact that it's just like about Jesus. Um, and it, with that said, it definitely shoehorns a story that has nothing to do with Jesus into the narrative of his crucifixion oh yeah um so mm-hmm. i actually had forgotten um i was like oh right jesus um because you know <laughs> yeah. so he shows up for his like surfer scene and then he shows up <laughs> at one point to like give water to judah while he's in chains. Mm-hmm. and um and then once the whole thing's over we've had our chariot race <laughs> I just remembered one scene what? he like steps in while someone's getting stoned oh and yeah then, so like he's like stop, oh. up and people will stop and then one person throws one more stone <laughs> It hits him on the head. It does. It gets him right in the head. He's like, it's like now listen. Okay. Oh! It was very yeah. Emperor's New Group. <laughs> you can just hear like, hey, hey, in the background. 
it was it, somebody throw some room. Yes, I guess. I'm throwing stuff. I don't know. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> there were a uh, lot of unintentionally uh, hilarious that, moments that, that the, the, yeah, we in the crowd enjoyed. That was that was something. So yeah, I forgot about that scene. Yeah, when he should like the kind of like which they don't actually have have him say like the you know let he who he let he among you without sin cast the first stone. Mm-hmm. They don't actually have him say that, but. Um, but yeah, so once we finish the chariot race and then we get to the actual, like, then suddenly we're, like, with Jesus in, like, you know, the garden at Gethsemane, uh, you know, being betrayed by Judas and being taken, you mm-hmm, know, custody. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, they're going to do this whole thing. Yeah. Um, it, it felt, it's like this weird tacked on coda. The vehicle to it is that Ju- uh, Judah's wife. Right, has become an when, early yeah, Christian. Once once she thinks that he's gone, she doesn't know what to do with her life and follows Jesus around. So she becomes right. like, kind of like a Which is not uncommon thing to do when people don't satellite. know what to do with their life <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like many respect. people after divorce, right. um, she's turned to Jesus, right. literally. Right. And, uh, and that's how you kind of get, that's how that story is in sort of continues to be um part of it right 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 right. um so i think the lead of most of the unintentionally hilarious parts in the movie Mm. um are thanks to one morgan freeman god bless him what happened here so guys at first um before you see morgan freeman you hear him because he's narrating it because you don't cast morgan freeman in your movie without at least these pitching him a voiceover so shawshank and when he first started to speak in the voiceover that was when people start right away were just laughing like movie barely begun people already (laughs) laughing at it because it has morgan freeman narrating a bible movie It's um, unpl- I've never seen so many people laugh at a non-comedy before. Yeah, it was it was something. It was something. And I was trying to figure out if it was just coming from like our row of like bitchy critics. or. or I think it was, it was the whole smattered theater. or it's smattering around. There was a smattering. But definitely the we, row of bitchy critics were. We were also seated directly next to Mick LaSalle. Uh, oh, really? We certainly enjoyed a, a chuckle or two. Yucked it up. Um, at the film's expense. Uh, so the other thing, so Morgan Freeman, we're, we first are laughing before we see him because he's doing a voiceover in a Christian movie. And then we see him, and we find out that the art direction for this character was apparently a bearded Tracy Chapman, (laughs) because Morgan Freeman in this movie is wearing the most outlandish silver braids um, that have been attached to every part of his head, (laughs) all the way up to the forehead. Um, he looks like uh, like Predator, maybe a little bit, <laughs> mixed with FKA Twig's most recent look. Um, also combined with like Toni Morrison. I don't know. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of look. Um, and he does not pull it off. <laughs> no, it's like his face stays kind of oddly um, uh, framed by this in a yes. way that just makes his face look ridiculous. Yeah, it's just you're just like Morgan Freeman. What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, yeah, get off from under there. Ridiculous is the word. He just like, he never stops looking ridiculous. Like literally, him just sitting by things that would normally be not remarkable, <laughs> like him just sitting by a campfire. It just cut to him, and everyone starts laughing again. <laughs> yeah, like he just turns the camera, and you see that face <laughs> framed by those braids, and people just start laughing. <laughs> It is really, it's really unfortunate. I can't think of a, of, of, a, of a recent parallel to draw between this and like, oh, when this actor show up, looking in this ridiculous getup. No. Um, it is, it is hilarious. Even um, his acting's off. His acting is off. When, yeah, he has like kind of one big part where he makes this wager and it's just so awkward. He is, he is just not in sync with this movie mm-hmm. in any way. Um, he sticks out the entire time. Um, and then there's <laughs> during the chariot race there's this weird thing where he's kind of like positioned somehow like in the middle of the race and he just keeps like stepping forward to be like Judah come on come on Judah Faster. yeah he's like now do this um, and then it'll, it'll show him every time like from beginning to end it'll show him just like 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 walk out <laughs> yeah. with his braids and he just goes like Judah <laughs> and um, and then he says his message and then he just turns around and we like see him like making, having people move run out of his way run back into the hole <laughs> right, and then, then run, run back, back out and then <laughs> run back into the hole and every time he's like out of my way uh, <laughs> it's, so weird it's very very awkward uh, and so this is this is definitely not like the kind of what we were talking about with Suicide Squad with like Will Smith just by that effortless movie star confidence to it. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite of that. <laughs> this, is the opposite. this is a huge movie star who just actually manages to kind of tank the movie he's mm-hmm. in by lack of confidence and just overall awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Um, very, it's like maybe he just like maybe if he believed in those braids, and I would have, but he <laughs> clearly, um, you know, just like especially him just sitting there just clapping next to a campfire, just looks silly. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up with a with like a scarf around it at one point. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh god, this movie is very funny. It's a chuckle fest. Uh, and it's directed by the um, Russian Kazakh filmmaker Timur uh, Bekman. <laughs> Fucking hate you. That's not even a real name. I made it up just to fuck with you. We don't even care about the director. You just wanted me to ask this question so that I could pronounce it. Nobody knows his, who's seen Day Watch and Night Watch. Nobody has seen that. Everyone has seen Wanted. Okay, that's true. Angelo, Angelina. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are these names? Angelina. Angelina. Her action blockbuster. Wanted. Yeah. How does he shape this movie, Jason? Who? Who you ask? <laughs> Who, who shapes it? Timur Bekmambatov. Yeah, I think that was Euro. right. Um, so I think that like the way the reason this movie works um, in whatever capacity it works is because of this guy's direction. Mm. Um, so from Wanted, and after that he made um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire mm. Hunter. Mm-hmm. So, and before that he did make these two kind of very celebrated cult foreign films, Day Watch and Night Watch. And um, so he has a really strong visual aesthetic, Mm -hmm. um, a very like immersive, visceral, um, kind of semi-animated aesthetic. Wait, didn't he also make Hardcore Henry? No, different dude. Okay, never mind. Um, So, uh, and I think that, you know, he brings that kind of quality to this movie, like lots of shaky camera, lots of camera just like zooming in right in the middle of all the action. It's very immersive. Um, And he knows his way around an action centerpiece scene. There is a there in the middle section of this film. The character of Judah um, becomes a galley slave on a ship, and there is a sequence. Um, that entire sequence to me was just jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Very um, so you know, so we we follow him across five years spent as a galley slave. Don't worry, there's a five years later after yeah. <laughs> after about a minute. <laughs> Um, and, um, and we, we are there with him in this, like, very, like, through his eyes level, just in the bowels of this ship, you know, paddling, watching through the slats in the walls as other ships are barreling toward it while other ships are being destroyed. Mm-hmm. And they're just caught in this war. And it is electrifying. It really is. This whole sequence was just, like, barely breathed during the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So... And, you know, like, and that's the director, you know, like he had a vision for that scene. He saw it through, even though like clearly he didn't have like the biggest budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, the chariot race also was, it had some really exciting moments. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, they, I was like, when they were gearing up for it, I was like, oh fuck, like he's going to go hard in this chariot race. Like mm-hmm. this, this is his calling card for the whole movie. So, um, you know, so I think that, you know, they kind of just make it this kind of big action adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 300 is a great comparison for what he probably was, like, aiming for. And certainly with the, you know, secular box office that they were trying to tap into um, is the appeal of, like, yeah, this is like a 300-type movie. Right. Um, that also has a, a spiritual message. Mm-hmm. And a decent story. Yeah. Um, what are you going to give this movie, Jason? Do we want to talk about how Jack Houston was dressed? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> There's a, I, oh... So I turned to Rebecca at one point during the movie, uh, and uh, and I, I'm like, is he wearing pants? It looked like he was wearing skinny jeans yeah. and like a a Henley. Yeah, he looked like, yeah, it was like a Henley or a thermal. Like, I mean, was... I'm not opposed to the idea that like what we think people at that time dressed like has been wrong for a while. Sure, or very but I don't think narrow. they were wearing jeans. Though. But I feel like these were no. skinny leg. Yeah, jeans. yeah, he was wearing very well fitted pants. Yes, um, which I mean, I don't know, man, but um, <laughs> and then also even his love interest appeared to be wearing pants at yeah. one point when she was riding on a horse with him. Find that highly unlikely, but very, very unlikely. No and, historical uh, expert. So for just one last touch of a uh, of of unintentional laughter, we were also just in every scene looking at him and looking at each other and going like, "Are those jeans? <laughs> is that a Henley? <laughs> just looks like a deep V Henley. Pretty sure is what he's wearing." Very, very distracting modern flourishes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we should also mention that we were big fans of um, the performance of the actor who played his brother, Masala. Oh, right. We were we were much more impressed with these um, these two actors who are certainly much more in the beginning stages of their career and are mm-hmm. not super well known than we were with like Rodrigo Santoro and Morgan Freeman, who were um, distracting at best and film ruining at worst. Toby Cabell is his name. What did I say? I don't even know. <laughs> did I say Titus Wellick? Yeah. That might be a Mr. Um, Robot name. And given these two, it's, yeah. it is a shame there was uh, absolutely no uh, homosexual undertone to this Oof. movie. And that is Hoping one, for that one. That is one thing I did turn to Rebecca at one point and say, make out! <laughs> uh, because, oof, yeah. I would watch that. Yeah, absolutely. There was no... Um, uh, I mean, they're not even blood brothers. It wouldn't have no, been, it it wouldn't wouldn't have been, have been weird. weird. It wouldn't at have all. been weird. 
Um, there was no Gore Vidal to write that into this no, one. No, sadly, yeah, there was not yet any sneaky Such homoeroticism in this one. Um, okay, what are you giving it? Um, giving it to moderation. Me too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 solid enough. It's by no means a great movie, but it's solid enough. It's not one of those ones where you're just like, oh God, kill me now. Um, you know, like like Gods of Egypt, for instance, from mm. earlier this year. Um, so, and yeah, I mean, it has some really uh, great filmmaking, action adventure filmmaking in it. And the main two performances are, are solid enough and from pretty, pretty men. So yeah, consume moderation, guys. You could do worse. Yeah. I mean, I had a great time. Um, it was hilarious. Oh, yes, we laughed our asses off. <laughs> we really did. And you probably will too. Um, I hope Morgan Freeman has nominated the Razzies. I really oh, do. Oh, that'd be amazing. Because like, this movie is not bad enough to get Razzie attention, um, but I hope that they find him. I hope that the Razzies <laughs> are having this brought to their attention. And uh, if you're worried about the religious aspect, I found this um, unoffensively Christian. Yes. Inoffensively Christian. Right. Um, okay, so Ben-Hur is out now, and it's rated thir- PG-13 for sequences of violence and disturbing images. Movie number two. War Dogs. Based on the story of two young men who win a $300 million contract from the Pentagon to arm America's allies in Afghanistan. They call guys like us war dogs. Bottom feeders who make money off of war without ever stepping foot on the battlefield. It was meant to be derogatory, but we kind of liked it. Sorry, kind of an emergency. Sorry, don't worry, I have to go first. I'm American. So I didn't get a chance to see this one with you, um, but it uh, looks like it's about two obnoxious douchebags with supremely punchable faces getting hella rich in spite of their own fucking stupidity. Am I going to hate this as much as I imagine I'm going to? Probably, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say that you've miscalibrated anything about it with that assessment. Okay. Uh, I mean, there is a fallout, uh, but yes, that, that's certainly the premise of the movie. Oh, good. Well, then I know exactly what to do with this one. Um, <laughs> so it's Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. It is. Which makes Jonah Hill the more lovable member? It does not, really? actually. So it turns out that only Jonah Hill um, could make Miles Teller seem both likable and handsome. <laughs> uh, and that's what Jonah Hill does in this movie. Because Jonah Hill is playing like possibly the most uh, just unlikable, grotesque character he's ever been cast as. Um, He looks so bad in this movie. He looks like Chris Farley playing Chris Penn. Um, And he looks so like, he just looks like, it looks like the kind of performance you see in a retrospective of actors who died while filming. Oh no. Well, that sounds sad. Um, So, but I think, I don't know how much of that is also just his performance though, because it must be because I've seen photos of him recently. He looks fine. Yeah. uh, So, you know, he, he really commits. I mean, this is a two time Oscar nominee. Let's not forget. True. True. Um, But yeah, I mean, he, he, he just looks rough and, uh, and, and a lot of it doesn't necessarily come across like. You know, like, I'm sure part of, you know, so it is a performance, but, you know, like, there's also bits they write for him that are supposed to be like, oh, he's being funny, where it's like, okay, it's not funny. Like, this is this is a, a botched attempt at bro humor. Um, mm. And um, and he mostly just comes across as just deeply unwell. And oh. uh, so that's... Is it a comedy? Um, it's, it's sort of like a, it's just like a rip from the headlines, true story that has comedic elements, action elements, dramatic elements, a little bit of everything. Seems like a poor man's Wolf of Wall Street. It's very similar to The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, that's one of the things I wrote down afterward. It's pretty much your basic kind of caustic, in-too-deep uh, movie about mm. some, you know, hucksters. Um, these guys are from Florida. Big fucking surprise. Mm, mm, uh, who... Got the stink of the panhandle all over it. <laughs> who, uh, who, yeah, they just kind of... Uh, so this is... They were childhood friends. Um, the, the whole premise is that they were friends from childhood. And then Jonah Hill's character went off um, Ephraim. Ephraim. Mm-hmm. Um, goes off and um, kind of builds this mythical life for himself in like LA and then shows back up in town and suddenly hits it off with David um, and uh, and then he just kind of bullshits him into like he had been running this operation just by himself where he was um, you know selling equipment to the military during um, the, the second Bush term mm-hmm. and, uh, and then he just kind of brings David in on it and then it turns into this bigger and bigger and bigger thing um, so the whole thing is really kind of a satire about just how inept everything was run during the Bush mm, years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and and I think, you know, the one great takeaway from it is just a good reminder of just that war is an economy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like the movie has a great scene toward the beginning where um, <clears throat> they're showing scenes of, of, of war 
and there are price tags attached to everything you're seeing. Oh, interesting. Like the helmet, the suit, the gun, the Kevlar, the tanks, the mm-hmm. everything. Telling you like they're like, and there are vendors who are providing all of this, mm-hmm. and you know, and these are these are being you know paid for by taxpayers. These insane, insane, insane rates, um, and uh, so the whole movie is sort of like showing like, a here's the serious problem, mm-hmm. um, you know, about like how this is being run, but then b you know here's this kind of entertaining story about these two bozos who managed to game the system. Mm, cute. <laughs> That's a real feel gooder. So let's get into some. Uh, I assume these will be kind of some softballs for you. Um, it, it takes place in Iraq, Afghanistan, Albania. How does it handle? How does this movie handle um, people of different ethnicities? It's not especially interested in them. Okay. Um, there are not really any major characters of uh, of, of color um, aside from uh, aside from Miles Teller's love interest, uh, which we can get to later. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's um, there's this kind of lengthy um, kind of showcase scene where they are being driven by um, by an Afghani driver in the back of a truck as they're trying to smuggle um, guns uh, into um, into Iraq, I believe. And um, and then unknowns, unbeknownst to them, they are going through um, uh, Fallujah. And uh, so they have this driver uh, and, you know, they un- they did not realize that they were being sent to this territory. So it's 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 over it's overwhelmingly disinterested um, mm-hmm. in uh, in the people of color uh, in in this story. Um, you know, this is this is much more about them and their relationships um, with the military, and then eventually their relationships with this uh, this kind of other less than reputable provider of uh, of arms to the military, who's played by Bradley Cooper. Um, and so, since we compare it to Wolf of Wall Street, um, how is this movie to women? And how soon do they show Margot Robbie in a bikini? Uh, fair question. So there's only one actual sort of female character, I think, at all in this movie. Um, and uh, she is uh, Miles Teller's wife. And she is just a, like, just gorgeous Latina Cupid doll sex Barbie. It oh. is absurd. Absurd. She is so gorgeous and so sexy and it is just the most ridiculous sitcom casting mm-hmm. that she is mm-hmm. married to Miles Teller. Little King of Queens action? Yeah. And um and she's like the long suffering wife who's stuck at home because then she gets knocked up and and that's part of the motivation for his character is that now he has a son to provide for um or a daughter rather. And um and so uh yeah, she's just very much cast in that usual like but you know where are you going? And you know what? What do you? What do you mean? You haven't been doing what you said. Mm, um, mm, yeah, all the usual mm. beats there. We're just impossibly gorgeous girl, and it's 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 insulting. This movie was directed by douchemaster general Todd Phillips <laughs> yes. from Old School and The Hangover. Yes. Um, do you think this movie is going to be as big as those? I can't imagine because you know he's trying to make this about actual serious things now and not mm-hmm. just like a bro comedy. So I guess you know kudos to him for that way to grow up this movie is based on a rolling stone article and it feels like it's based on a rolling stone Uh, article um so uh you know it's it's yeah i can't imagine it's gonna do as well i mean it's being dumped out here in august and um and it's just it's so as you mentioned the punchable faces um of both leads um are are a little insurmountable um i mean miles teller really is like he's he's playing it down a bit because jonah hill like i don't know that you can actually take any anything from Jonah Hill that he's not willing to give you in a scene. Um, so yeah, Jonah Hill just kind of like just bulldozes over Miles Teller. And, um, you know, so Miles Teller actually does come off as like almost vaguely sympathetic. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, cause he does get beat up a lot. Uh, so, <laughs> no, so yeah, so that, that's, fun. that's cheerful. That's cheerful. But it just has these weird details as well that just feel like added just for like, Oh, wouldn't it be weird if Jonah Hill, God damn it has this ridiculous high strangled laugh that oh. he that he busts out as like a character trait where he's like <laughs> whoa i'm serious he makes that noise like and it's like you're supposed to be like ha, 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 that's funny he laughs crazy um he it does that terrible he does that at like at like calibrated intervals throughout the movie mm. Bradley Cooper's character has these insane Coke bottle glasses um, that make his like eyes look enormous whenever <laughs> he's being filmed. So just strange details like that. Yeah. I don't know. So I mean, I'll say this: like, it's it's engrossing. This movie, like, it's I think it's also was like a solid two hours. I was surprised. I thought it was gonna be like a ninety minute movie. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, I was never bored. Like I was completely engrossed in 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 and uh, in it um, from beginning to end. Even though I was consciously aware that I was disliking its its main actors, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, it's like Wolf Wall Street, Savages, any movie you can think of about like you know some some people who get in over their heads mm-hmm. um, in what they thought was going to be some kind of like scheme cash where they could grab. yeah cash grab. So um, so yeah, it's it's competent, um, but yeah. Do you think there'll be a sequel? What would it be called? Peace Cats. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> can I be in it? If I will see to it myself. Thank I, you. I want to see you in that movie, and then we can interview you on the show about it. Yay. <laughs> mm. uh, what are you giving this one? Uh, consume moderation. Like okay. I was just saying, it's not terrible by any means, um, but, you know, it's yeah, it's it's also not a classic. War Dogs is out now, and it's rated R for language throughout, drug use, and some sexual references. We're on to the last movie of this week, which is Lo and Behold. She has a nice, tight... Tagline, which is just Werner Herzog's exploration of the internet and the connected world. The explosion of information technology on the internet has led to some of its greatest glories. Could this team beat the real Brazilian football team? That is the goal, to have a team of soccer-playing robots defeat the FIFA world champion. In the forest, we met a modern-day hermit. I became very ill from wireless radiation signals. As soon as I heard there was a place with no cell towers, I was here in 48 hours. The internet is a manifestation of evil itself. Um, So we usually write down a few notes about the movie before we um, talk about it so we don't forget what we want to mention. Um, and all I could really add was a gif of George, George Costanza staring at a washing machine saying, this is the dullest moment I've ever experienced. <laughs> I think like the... talking out gifs. I'm sure that's exactly what they were talking about in this movie. <laughs> One day I will tweet out gifs with my mind. One day podcasts will use gifs as their notes. <laughs> that day is today. I was watching this and my wife was leaving the other room and just screwed and yelled at one point. This movie sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> Calls him like she sees him, that one. I, I ended up just using technology to soothe myself the whole time. I was like looking at my phone, looking at every possible thing I haven't looked at. I opened my MySpace. I was like, oh, maybe it is working. What's Tom I looked at your Twitter. It was, it was so bored. Weird, I didn't get any new likes from you, I don't uh, think. Well, you know, um, I looked at it. <laughs> Maybe this, I don't, maybe because we work in the internet, sort of. Um, we work in tech. And are very, um, I don't know, I feel like this didn't seem like anything particularly interesting or new for me. You? Yeah, no, I mean, okay, here is, here is the um, kind of the way in that I found to be able to appreciate this movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Werner Herzog, this is his movie. Mm-hmm. And if you're familiar with, with Herzog's work, then you kind of like don't even need to be listening to this because you know what you're signing up for. Mm. But it's kind of, his movies are just kind of like they're like dispatches from crazy German Uncle Werner. <laughs> like, what's Werner think about this? What would Werner do? Uh-huh. Um, and this is like Werner's just kind of like kind of not super focused um, mm-hmm. um, contemplation on the tech world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's 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 all over the place. Um, yeah. You know, like he never stays on one thought for very long. I wouldn't even say there's that much that pulls the whole movie together, Mm-mm. aside from just like the the loosest of thematic connections and topical connections of like technology, technology. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I mean, he finds as he always does, he manages to find some just like real kooky people mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. to interview. Uh, it really runs the gamut from. You know, I mean, there's like tons of people who work in tech in various fields. Um, but then there's the there's like there's a hermit who lives in the woods who who says that she you know was so sensitive to like cellular signals that she had to leave civilization. Mm-hmm. There's like some other um, community of people who had to retreat from the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I didn't think that he was necessarily saying like, yeah, these people are right. I think that he was kind no. of he's he's bemused. Uncle Werner is bemused mm-hmm. by all things. 
So, um, and I think I love, um, <laughs> one of the things I, I think the highlight of any um, Hurt Song movie where he's conducting the interviews on camera is just hearing him pipe up from behind the camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just like, just the shit he'll say. Or like when you just like see them reacting to a question, he just asks like, well, well Werner, I don't know what would wipe out all of humankind, but <laughs> I don't really want to think about it. Yeah, it's um, funny when the narrator is also the interviewer you could hear asking questions. Right. Because you hear those, the voice in two really dramatically different yeah. ways. It's it's kind of funny. There's um when he's interviewing Elon Musk, who is far and away like the most well-known person who's interviewed in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Elon is saying something like, you know, about like wanting to kind of try to colonize life on another planet so that we can have a backup if things go wrong on Earth. And he was like, you know, well, you know, we could have people go to Mars, but the difficult thing is finding someone who's willing to go. And then Vern is like, I will go. <laughs> And, you know, and it's just great because, you know, there's not like a two shot. It's just like the camera remains like stationary on Elon. He's just like looking at, he's like, oh, Uh, and he's like, no, I will go. I have no hesitation about that. I will go. I will go. Um, One way ticket. That's fine. Uh, And and it's just, it's just, and, you know, or when he he wants to talk to, um, oh, there was a, he's trying to interview this girl who went to um, like an internet addiction camp. Oh, oh, yeah. And he's like, I had a question for her because he starts to ask her about like her like RPG stuff or something. And she like takes this deep breath and she's like, I can't actually talk about any of that because it will trigger me. And he's like, I had a series of questions for her (laughs) about the demonic druid dwarf. Uh, and it just—he's just—he's so fucking hilarious. He's so deadpan mm-hmm. um, that you know, I you know, it's sort of like this is like Werner Herzog's version of a TED talk. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and and all that, that implies. Yeah, so I, mean, I feel like if you've seen a TED talk before, if you read anything about technology, if you read Wired, mm. if you have any idea what the Hyperloop is, none of this is really going to be particularly. No, you're not like, wow, these are concepts I never thought of before. Where will AI take us? Where will robotics take us? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are at all aware um, of any of those things, if no. you really aren't and don't know anything about the internet, you might find this interesting. Maybe. Um, I mean, I don't even know that he has like a strong perspective, and I think that you know, no. I think that he's yeah. kind of he does he definitely has that kind of nihilistic German outlook. Sure. <laughs> um, you mean that German just, outlook? That also known as the German outlook. Of like, you know, well, this will all be destroyed soon. Yeah. Uh, which of these ways? Yeah, which of these ways will we be destroyed as humankind? Uh, send me to Mars. I will go. Uh, your German accent isn't your strongest. It's slipping. It's slipping. It's the more str- I do slipping, it, it's slipping. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I just heard him in the snippet. And, and oh, I, yeah. I was able to hold on Fired to it more up. recently. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, so he's in, in, when I was first watching the movie, I was very, I'm very like sensitive to like alarmist, um, technophobic nonsense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly from a gentleman of Werner's generation, you mm-hmm. know, would be expected to be like, okay, here's like, oh no, it's ruining civilization. It's ruining humankind. Um, I think it's always good to have a reminder that like, you know, our generation at least existed before the internet and to think back to like how things were like, mm-hmm. it's just always interesting just as like a thought exercise to be like, imagine how differently things would be if there was something that would like take out the internet and we wouldn't be able to sure. you know, access it anymore. Um, I didn't think that by the end, I didn't think the movie said anything really like no. in the beginning, it was kind of consistently going in this like alarmist direction. Mm hmm. Where he was kind of like, kind of making his tech interview subjects seem a little doofy by holding the camera on them for a beat too long while yeah, they're smiling yeah. awkwardly. And there was this um, whole buildup of like the history of the internet that was oh yeah. so. Um, oh. That was also, even though I'm saying like, if you know anything about technology, this movie isn't mm-hmm. for you. Was that so was so elevated and, and so yeah, so dry yeah, and ugh. so hard to. Yeah, grasp. that was yeah. If you can get past that, you're fine. Like it was at the point where like the first time anything actually happens that even is even remotely like grabs you is they're interviewing the family of a girl who was killed mm-hmm. in a car accident mm-hmm. and um and who had pictures of herself dead taken by a first responder who that were then sent to friends and then went online and were used to torment her family which is which is kind of a well-known case and mm-hmm. um uh i mean it is you know window to a lot of the harassment that goes on online mm-hmm. and like what are our policies yeah the things. idea that there's no policing of the internet basically right yeah um but so yeah, a lot. and so when he got into that i was like okay well on the one hand okay finally for the first time emotionally engaged in this mm-hmm. i'm like okay cool now now we're going to get like the and so what here, dash here, you can understand what they're talking about exactly also that um, but then, but then he just goes off another direction, yeah. and so then he just leaves that family behind, and that's the only time you see them. Yeah, and so he really, even was though just, he's filmed them in like a such a cold in a, in way, a, yeah, just the way that they're, yeah, the way that they're they're arranged mm-hmm. in the shot mm-hmm. um, is 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 clinical. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then he just goes off, and then suddenly we're talking about like crazy women in the woods who are afraid of cell phones, mm-hmm. and that couldn't just I like was just... shut up, Jill Stein. <laughs> exactly. No, I was just getting like Julianne Moore and safe vibes mm-hmm. from that whole portion mm-hmm. of the film. Um, you know, but although it did challenge me to be like, well, who am I to say that they're not experiencing a real thing? Um, they seem very sort of sure of themselves sure, that yeah. they are. Um, but yeah, so it, it just doesn't really say anything. I think that's why because like the sub this movie's called Lo and Behold, like reveries in the connect reveries of the connected, connected world, world. Mm-hmm. so i think by reveries that's his way of giving himself a way to be like what that calls them bubbles uh you know like you is sound it, like is a it cartoon slipping? yeah like a cartoon german bad. well he kind of sounds like a cartoon german i mean i'm like you're a cartoon german i'm a good german a bruise for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, like, yeah, reveries. He's basically just kind of freeform thoughts from from Uncle Werner mm-hmm. um, about the internet. So I'll go first. Um, I'm giving it a send it back. I know you really hated this. I I can't think of an audience that I could say you will enjoy this, mm-hmm. or that it, there's anything in it for you. As you're saying, it's really not about anything, and nothing's going to touch you. Right. Um, I, I think that your time is much um, uh, better spent watching something else. I'm going to do consume moderation um, just because I think that Werner himself is so inherently entertaining and such like a, a distinct oddball figure in the film world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'd rather see a chicken on a record player for two and a half hours than this. <laughs> Harsh words. Just saying. Um, so I'm going to say consume moderation. I certainly did not necessarily like I, it was a fucking slog to get through the first initial exp- exposition part of like how the internet was formed. Um, but uh, but no, I mean like he he is enough to get this. Um, if if he had not been as much of the, a part of the movie vocally, this would be a send back for me. If it was just the people who he interviews saying what they say without any like hilarious Uncle Werner interjection, then it would have been a send it back for sure. <laughs> um, it's, it's a consume minus. Um, we'll say that. Um, uh, and guys, you may have noticed that we did not have a pick of the week this week. No pick of the week. I don't remember if that's happened before. I think maybe once. Maybe once. Um, so um, we are going to, uh, in lieu of pick of the week, we are going to uh, retroactively declare Little Men from last week's episode as this week's pick of the week because it was our runner-up and mm-hmm. it lost by a hair to Miss Sharon Jones. And uh, so Little Men <laughs> is uh, is still in theaters. And if, if you live outside one of the cities that gets indie movies really early, it might still be on its way to you. So if you have access to Little Men, go see that movie. That's our pick of the week for this week because these movies were all kind of... <laughs> um, and lo and behold, what is rated PG-13 for brief, strong language and some thematic element. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Next week we have um, some more movies uh, and an interview, so uh, stay tuned for that. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're on Twitter, I'm at Fight Balance and Jason is at the Jason Leroy. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye, bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.